God a warm hand. He's, I know so many look up to him and he's a mentor to so many. So thank you, Pastor Jacob. Oh, thank you so much. Gosh, so much going on. I'm excited for the lunch at 7 o'clock. dinner anyway hey uh, valentine's day now i was discussing valentine's day with melissa a little while ago and she's like Val do we do valentine's day i don't think valentine's day is a real holiday i'm like well you don't have to do it well i'm doing valentine's day so we woke up sort of remembered a few hours in oh it's valentine's day i said oh yes i've got something wasn't wrapped i forgot to wrap it there was no card but the thought was there the thought was there, the romantic evening may or may not involve some steak that's been pulled out. And I don't think, I think it hasn't been thought past there. But as we were sort of gearing up for Valentine's Day, it's so funny, you sort of, um, one, it's one of those things, you've got these certain days, special days, that land on weekends, always on a weekend. Easter, guaranteed, no clash with church because Easter, Friday is always going to be on a Friday. Easter Sunday is always going to be on a Sunday. But then you get those weird days where it's not a particular day. Like Mother's Day, that's an easy one. It's always on whatever it is. I don't know, Mother's Day is. But it's a Sunday. Father's Day is always a Sunday. We can gear towards them. But then you get those other ones that sort of like, oh, that's going to land on a Sunday. And you sort of think, do we do anything about that? Uh, how, how do we handle this as a church? Do we just ignore it altogether? Do we? And we thought, you know what, Valentine's Day, it's not really our thing too much, but we do love love. And so we thought, let's do a series on love and we'll land it on Valentine's Day. So we started last week and Pastor Mel preached uh, an amazing message and, and the, the scripture she really worked from was the prodigal son and, and just really working from the love of the father and we've called this series Never Gives Up. And it's fun because it doesn't sound right. And you read it and you're just like, I'm pretty sure there's an S that's not supposed to be there. Are we? And then, then you explain it and then it's just like, oh, I can see what you're talking about, but does it still need the S? And I love it because it sort of messes with your head and it forces you to actually engage. It forces you to actually sort of, you know when you've got a, a rock in your shoe? It's not big, but you know it's there. You, every step you take, it's there and it challenges you and it frustrates and, and I love it and it never gives up because we're working from uh, the, the passage in 1 Corinthians that says love never gives up and, and really that's the nature of love. Really that's the nature of not just love, of God's love because when that particular word in 1 Corinthians was used, it was the Greek word agape, which is God's love. It was actually a word that didn't have an origin before preachers made the word. They actually made a word and called it agape, the love of God. And, and on this Valentine's Day, we're going to keep, this, we're, going to, we're going to continue this never gives up uh, the, the series. And, and I really want to hit it from the angle that uh, God never gives up on his plans for you. God never, God, God's done stuff. He's put call, a call on your life. He's done things to us. He's spoken dreams into our hearts. And if he's spoken them, they are still in play. There's a passage that says that the gifts and call uh, of God are irrevocable. There, another translation says uh, without repentance. And that means that God doesn't change his mind about them. What does that mean? It means you can't blow it bad enough to wreck God's plan for your life. You can't go too far the other way that at one point you can't turn around 
and get back on track. I've tried. Didn't work. All right. So John chapter 3, verse 16, because if it's Valentine's Day, we're preaching on love. You cannot stay away from John chapter 3 and verse 16. And for those that aren't biblical, biblically literate, let's use that term, John chapter 3, verse 16 is what we call the gospel in a nutshell. And it goes something like this. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, so that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but would have everlasting life. And I had the privilege of preaching down at Teen Challenge a couple of weeks ago, and I was sharing from this scripture well, with the young people down there. And, um, and, and that where, where it says everlasting life, everlasting life, what, that word life, is the Greek word zoe, and that means it's talking about an abundant life, an overflowing life. In John chapter 10, further on in, in, this, in the, same, the same gospel, John chapter 10 and verse 10, it says, Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and life more abundantly, life to overflowing. And when, when, when Jesus is Jesus having a chat with a guy here, this guy named Nicodemus, he's having a conversation, a private conversation, but he's saying here that, this love God has for us drives him to give us this abundant life, an eternal life. And the thing about eternity, it has no beginning and it has no end. So once you step into it, you're in it. Too often we can read a passage like this and bookmark it to the hereafter. We, we stick it to the end. Oh, in the sweet by and by on that day, then... I will begin to experience this amazing eternal life, this Zoe, this abundant, overflowing life. And it's like, no, eternity's already. <laughs> so if you're in Christ, you're already started this journey of eternal life. This is already yours. So, happy Valentine's Day to you. God's gift to you is eternal Zoe, eternal abundant life. And if you've never stepped into that, at, at the end of this message, I'm gonna, just going to invite you to join me in a prayer and we'll do that and, and you can start your eternal life. I'm going to pray, Lord, I thank you that you are love personified. I thank you that love is not part of your nature, it is your nature. Love is not part of who you are, it is who you are. So Lord, we put the full weight of our trust in your love. We lean on it with every... Uh, with no backstop, Lord, we put our weight on it with no plan B. And we say, your will be done in our life. We trust you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay. Paul, the, the Apostle Paul wrote uh, a book to the church in Ephesus. And, he, and I'm going to read from, verse, uh, from chapter 2. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. Thanks, Paul. So encouraging. Such an encourage. He's like, oh, you know, you've, some people might ear, uh, earmark some of those preachers. I was, oh, he's a feel-good preacher or he's a doom and gloom preacher. And he's a, well, Paul at this point is sounding like a doom and gloom. <laughs> As for you, you were dead in your transgression and sin. But it gets better. In which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ 
even when we were dead in transgressions. This is the love that Melissa spoke about last week. This is the love of God, the aspect of the love of the nature of God that, that Melissa so uh, perfectly put for us uh, as she unfolded and unwrapped and packaged the, uh, pro- the, the parable of the prodigal son or the prodigal father, depends on how you look at it. And we were found by God and God found us because of his great love for us. That was his motivation. It wasn't anything he wanted for him. It wasn't that he was trying to get something from you. It's he's trying to give stuff to you. As parents, we, we know we have a lot of pleasure from our kids. They're, they're awesome. We, we, we do get a lot. We, we do get a lot from our children. But a healthy motive isn't to get something from them. That's a benefit of giving to them. That's just a benefit, a side effect of giving our love and our, what we can to our children. The benefit, we, we actually receive this benefit where we get so much joy and so much satisfaction from, from having them near us and having them uh, in our family. And that's where, that was God's motivation. It wasn't to get something from you like he's in need and he needs something. It was because of his great love. He met us in our darkest place and gave us the option He gave us the option. He didn't even force us out. He gave us the choice. He made a way. And even when we were dead in transgressions, he made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by faith you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. So it says, because he loved us, he made us alive. He, he rescued us, he healed us, he took us, started us on this journey. But then it tells us why. It says, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ. He saved you in order that forever he can show you how amazing life is supposed to be. Man, if I wasn't saved, if I wasn't born again... I would get saved right now. That's his reason. That's his motivation. That's what he wants to give to you. That's what he, in this transaction, he wants to take your pain, wants to take your sickness. He, he wants to take your addiction. He wants to take your, uh, the, the paranoia. He wants to take the turmoil. He wants to take the torment. And he wants to give you an overflowing, abundant life, not just for a good weekend, not just for a good night, not even for a good year, but forever. And ever. And ever. And because it's eternity, remember, that ever (laughs) keeps going. But for time, we will stop. In order that uh, in the coming ages, he might show the incomparable riches of his grace, expressing kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork. What does for mean? It means because... He's doing all of this and he says he's got this amazing plan for our lives because we're his handiwork. What does that mean? Made by God himself. You were made by God. You are God's masterpiece. For we are his handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. God (laughs) made us because we're his handiwork created in Christ. You were created to do. You were created to do to do you were created with a purpose 
You were created with a function. You were created with something to do. It says here that God, he prepared it in advance for us. So before he created you, he had the to-do. Before Jacob, there was the Jacob to-do. And the scripture tells us that before he knew us, before the foundation of the world, so before he created planet Earth, he had crystals to-do. Kirsty's to-do. Malcolm's to-do. Before Malcolm, there was Malcolm's to-do. Is there. What is that? It's a calling. It's a gift. No, the gifts come to, to do the calling. The created. Part of the creating is the gifts are implanted, imparted for the to-do, for the calling. Before you was your calling. So... Here we are, we're at this place where we are not an accident. We were made on purpose for a purpose. I remember being seriously addicted to drugs. I remember driving down, driving along the freeway with one of my friends who has also come to Christ over the years. This is just miracle upon miracle. And we were driving and he was in his car. It was all like dense in the doors because when we were going to get drugs, he would drive like a lunatic. He would drive like a lunatic normally, but this was like extra lunatic. This was like race car, video game type driving and there were dents in his doors. And, and, and I remember just driving along in what should have seemed like an extreme situation, but it was a normal situation because this is my life now. Driving along... And I remember passing, uh, driving past the city, crossing the river to go down to, to, to this particular place to score. And a song came on the radio. It was a Grinspoon song. And, and the part of the line, the part of the word said, the, the, the lyric said this. It says, were you born to be a star? Were you born to be more than you are? And, that, that, uh, and at that moment, I remember, I remember so clearly, I think I must have been 19 years old. I'd been... A drug addict now since I was 13, so six years. I'd been a heroin addict from the age of 16, so it's that three years. I had a year eight education. I had no employment history. I had no education. I had nothing. All I had was the mission I was on, which was to go and score. That was what I had. And I remember... This song, Were You Born To Be A Star? Were You Born To Be More Than You Are? And at that minute, I knew, I knew that I was. And I remember having this feeling like, I know I was meant for something. Couldn't have told you what, but what happened then? I remember driving along and, and there's that sense, I know I was meant for something. And I could see no way from getting where I was in the passenger side of my friend's car to my something. I couldn't even tell you what my something was, but I knew I had a something. What was happening was the Jacob's to-do was calling out to Jacob. Your to-do calls to you. How come? Because God won't let it not call to you. And we've got this sense of our to-do. We don't necessarily have a name for our to-do, but we know we have a to-do. And we've got this drive and this thing. And I remember that was when... I've gone through some horrible things through that season of my life and some of it's 
documented and we got pictures and medical records and all these horrible things and people will look at them and say was that your rock bottom moment was that when you hit the nah my rock bottom moment was crossing that bridge when the song asked me was I born for more than this and I knew I was and I could see no way of getting from here to my to do and I remember it so clearly because what happened was my future didn't let me get away with my future it wouldn't let me go because the gifts and call of God are without repentance. They are irrevocable. What was wrong? Love. What's love? Because God's great love for me. He had an amazing plan for my life. Because he created me to do things. His love created me to do things. His love would not give up on me. It wouldn't give up on me. Even though I was driving as fast as we could go, in the opposite direction. I think Paul put it so perfectly. When you were dead in your transgressions and sin, in which you used to live, gratifying the cravings of our flesh, following its desires and thought, man, I was doing that quickly. But it wouldn't let go. It wouldn't give up. This love wouldn't give up. And we're at this place where, okay, where we can sense how to do and we might be at a point, it's like, well, Jacob, I, here I am. I'm at church every Sunday. I, I pay my tithes. I interconnect. I serve on team once a fortnight. I, I'm doing my bits, but I still sense my to-do. But I don't know what to do to get to my to-do. I'm watching other people get pulled ahead of me to go to their to-do. I don't know what to do to get to, their, to my to-do. And we're at this point, and we're at this, we, 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 we can sometimes feel like we're drowning because we have this call that won't give up because of this love that's driving us. We don't even know what its name is and it's pulling us and we don't know how to... And it's just this general sense that God has something more. It's this hope inside of us. And there's a place in Zechariah that says we're prisoners of this hope. We can't get away from this sense that God has something more for us. We can't escape it. I was driving down the freeway as fast as this car would go and I couldn't get away from this sense that God had more for me. There's this story in the Bible where there's this guy, David, and he's a superstar in the Bible. He's like the Old Testament superstar, really. He's like the... Any basketball fans here, you've got the West Coast and East Coast All-Stars. <laughs> David was like the Old Testament All-Star. Jesus was the New Testament All-Star. And <laughs> this guy, David, in uh, Samuel, 1 Samuel 16, there's this place where, well, we'll read it because there's some of the words I'd like to actually isolate and pull out. Uh, we just start at the start of 16. The Lord said to Samuel, who was his big-time prophet, who was basically key to running the nation, uh, the, the current king was basically, his past is used by date. He had chosen certain things over God and God's like, no, I have got a plan for this nation. I'm keeping it on course. And anyway, so he says, how long will you mourn for Saul since I've rejected him? Fill your horn with oil and go on your way. I'm sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I have chosen one of his sons to be king. Important thing there is I have chosen one, one of his sons to be king but Samuel said how can I go if Saul hears about it he'll kill me the Lord said take a heifer with you I could say I've come to sacrifice invite Jesse to the sacrifice and I will show you what to do you are to anoint one the one I indicate 
But Samuel did what the Lord said. When he arrived at Bethlehem, the elders of the town trembled when they met him. They asked, do you come in peace, Samuel? So much good stuff I'm skimming over. I would love to screw down into this, but keep going because it's not my point. When they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and thought, surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his height or appearance for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. The Lord, then Jesse, that's the dad, called Abinadab and had him pass in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, the Lord has not chosen this one either. Then he had Shammah pass by, but Samuel said, no. Jesse had seven sons pass before Samuel, but Samuel said, the Lord has not chosen these. Now, quickly, can you imagine being, like in this story, we often emphasize the fact that David was eighth choice. And Mel brought it out so perfectly when she did the other day, it blew my mind. I'm like, sometimes we feel rough being second choice. David was eighth choice. He was man's eighth choice, but he was God's first choice. But let's just imagine, so good to read the Bible and put yourself into just different people's shoes. Imagine if you're, you don't even know how to say this name, you're bad enough already, you've got this name, Abinadab. You're Abinadab. You're one of the brothers. And the prophet's like, hey, I've got an amazing job. I've got an amazing to do for one of your kids. I've got an amazing to do. These guys, well, they've all got their sense that God has got something amazing for them. How do we know? Because God's got it for all of us. Nah. Imagine going across the road here. Denise, nah. Pat, nah. Kirsty, nah. <laughs> we get down, Karen, Karen. Oh, you're the one. Let's pour the oil on there. Yay, Karen. How's all these people feeling? They're like chopped liver over here. But that doesn't mean they missed out. Do you know what that means they missed out on? Somebody else's job. Just someone else's job. It wasn't your job. It, when, when God said, I've rejected him, he said, because you don't have a king's anointing. You're not supposed to be a king. That's not my to-do for you. You don't want that. You know, sometimes we would love the, I don't know, there's some picking going on. Uh, who's... Like sports fans here, remembers being a kid at school and they're doing the picking. And you're there and you're like, you don't want to get picked last. You want to get picked on the good team. You can see one team starting to look a bit better than the other team. Oh, you want to get picked on the good team. And then you just don't care. You just want to get picked and not be last and left out because if there's an odd number, and then you've got the ultimate rejection of either not getting picked or you're just obviously the worst person there. And you're just like, pick me, pick me. You're like, and you Sometimes in the picking, it's not that you, they've got a problem with you. The Dockers are doing a rebuild. They've only been doing it from the 80s, was it? 90s. They've been rebuilding anyway. <laughs> I just lost three of the congregation. The rest of us are with us. Come on, Eagles. Teams, what happens, it doesn't matter if it's a sports team, a business team, a church team, all different teams. We, 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 we want somebody, we need somebody. But what happens when, in particularly sports, are easy because it's so clear cut. What will happen is in the team, they will have a vacancy. And it's not like, oh, yeah, we need a good player. Because, no, we've got lots of good players. We need a ruckman. That means it doesn't matter if you're the best goal kicker ever and if you can run all day. If you're only six foot even, you're not big enough to ruck. Sorry, you're awesome, but you're rejected 
because you are not the one. That's not the target. And can I just say, you know what? Your life as a ruckman wouldn't be much fun if that's not what you're called to. Just to, and so often we get passed over. We feel like it. And David's brothers must have felt it at the time. And, and sometimes things go past us. And we've got to learn to be okay with that. We have to learn to be okay with that. Let's not get put out when our brother or our sister gets promoted even when we would have liked it. Do you know what? That's God doing you a favor. Because your to-do is to come. That's just not your to-do. We keep going with this story of... So what's... Well, let's put a little just bookmark right there in the old school before we put your thumb in that section of the text and we're going to turn to another section. How do you know what your to-do is? You're like here and you've just seen your brother David go past you and you're like, man... I have a call, I'm that sense that I was born for more than this. You're driving in your car, whatever your car looks like, whatever your careering path looks like, and you're pulled up with a sense that you have a purpose in your life. This scripture becomes alive that you are God's handiwork and he's made you for something and you're aware Maybe suddenly, maybe it's always been there that you're aware that you are created for more. You're created to make a difference. You're created to be for eternal purposes, for eternal. And you're like, okay, but how do I get from here to there? Let's just, I'm God, I'm not even asking to make me arrive, just direction. <laughs> I'll show you. Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 1. In the year that King Uzziah died... The Lord, I saw the Lord and he, high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim. These are types of angels. Uh, seraphim, each with six wings. So we think like wing, We think like angels and we go like whole Cupid sort of deal. This thing has six wings. <laughs> it's like a whole different level. It's like, with two wings they covered their faces, with two wings they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. And at the sound of their voices, the doorposts and the thresholds shook and the temple was filled with smoke. People talk about church being flashy. They've got smoke machines here. They've got loud music. Come on. We, can, we still can get t- total sidetracked here. Let's stay on task. Uh, wo- <laughs> the, to- the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs uh, from the altar. With it he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away. Your sin is atoned for. Then I heard uh, the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? What's that? That's the call. That's the call. And I said, here I am. Send me. He's gotten direction in the presence of God. He's got clarity in the presence of God. He's gotten clarity in the holy of holies. What am I saying? Sometimes we don't know because we're not listening. 
And sometimes our listening is like this. This is how, I know, because I'm one of these listeners. God, speak to me, speak to me, speak to me, speak to me. God, I want to hear what you're saying. Tell me what I'm saying. Yeah, no, no, talk, no, talk to me. And then he says, no, 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 speak to me, speak to me. No, what are we saying? No, no, we just keep saying something that I want to hear, and I will keep over talking over you until you do. And I'll just tell you one thing is God is the Alpha and the Omega. That means the beginning and the end. He is all time to all time. He's got time. He'll outweigh you every time. So we've got to come to this place where we're in the presence of God and we're actually submitted enough to listen. And sometimes that means just shutting up. Sometimes that means shutting our brain, to the, not, not to the point where we're vacant, but to the point where we're silent, to the point where we're receptive rather than projective. And the, the, the prophet Isaiah here at this point, he received his call in the Holy of Holies. He received his call when he was so frightened by the presence of God. And he saw there was a need and he had a drive to fill it. And there was his call. For us, David's brothers, they know they have a to-do, but what is the to-do? David had a prophet pour oil on his head. Isaiah was in some supernatural, surreal vision. <laughs> and he had got himself called. Jeremiah, the prophet, he, he was in, had an experience where God called him out. And he says, I know you, Jeremiah. So I've called you to be a prophet. I, before you were in, the, in your mother's womb, I knew you. And he spoke to him about this plan he had for his life. And we're at this place where our to-do... needs to be answered we need to say yes we need to say yes because do you know what the scripture says that we understand that the gifts and calling of god are irrevocable but there's another place that says that many are called but few are chosen many are called but few are chosen the call won't go away but how can you be chosen to answer the call that won't go away <laughs> it's like you're getting called but you have to be chosen to, to answer <laughs> and Isaiah tapped into it here and as David went on his journey and, and the story goes on and we'll, we'll pick it up at verse 11 it says so he asked Jesse that's the prophet asked Jesse are these all your sons you have there is still the youngest Jesse answered he's tending his sheep Samuel said send for him he will not we will not sit down until he arrives so he sent for him and had him brought in he was glowing with health and had a fine appearance and family handsome features Sounds familiar. <laughs> then the Lord said, rise and anoint him. This is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully on David. Samuel then went to Ramah. I was talking with our leaders this week. And sometimes that moment from your to-do becoming an aha. <laughs> you know, where you all of a sudden have a, your to-do is all of a sudden aha. And you know, and you can write yourself a little vision statement and a purpose statement and all of the good stuff which helps you focus and laser into it. This guy, David, finally had his, aha, uh -huh, his general sense of call was now clarified. He was called to be king, but then we actually read his journey. He had 13 years, 13 years of ups and downs and more downs and ups from what we read. But again, the only thing that held him, you think you just want to know what your aha is and then it'll be easy? When David got his aha, 
his aha moment. That's when it got hard. And you try walking through life with an aha when you know what your to-do is. You try walking to you try walking with that when everything seems to be taking you the, the, the wrong way. Then you'll find out what hard is all about. What will hold you through that time is the fact that you're a prisoner of hope. God's love that created you, you're his handiwork created to do good works which he prepared ahead of time for you to do will hold you, will not let you get away. I'll tell you what it feels like where you wake up every day feeling like you got homework. Every day where you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing and you know you're doing the wrong thing. You know, you know that you're missing your call. You know, you know that feeling when you're a kid and you got homework and you keep putting it off and putting it off and putting it off? That's the feeling where you know and you don't do it. And a whole lot of talking to God like this goes on. God, talk to me. God, talk to me. Yeah, talk to me. Talk to me. It's just like, God's like, man, I told you what to do back there. I ain't talking to you. Start doing. The good news is he won't give up. That's the good news. He's not giving up on you. Your to-do is still there to do. You need to be chosen though. What does that mean? It means get in the presence of God. Get in the presence of God and say, God, what was the last thing you told me to do? And just go back and do it. Go back and do it. Go back and do the last thing he told you to do. And then do the next thing he told you to do. And the next thing. And then one time you're going to look and you can hang on. Aha, here I am. And it won't look like the big picture. 17 year, uh, 13 years later, David was crowned king, not of all of Israel, which he was anointed by the prophet. He was king of one little tribe, one twelfth, Judah, his own team. Seven years on, he stepped into the fullness. We're now dealing with 20 years from anointing to appointing. 20 years. But God didn't give up. He didn't give up on David. He hasn't given up on me. And he hasn't given up on you. Can we sing that song, the second, what was the second last one? The Reckless Love. Because I just think it's so pertinent to this message. And, and I think sometimes we just need to hear it. And I would love it if, if God's spoken to you and you'd like ministry in regards to this message, please come forward while we're worshiping. I'd love to pray with you. Or if you've got health needs or any other thing you'd like prayer for, come forward. We'd love to pray. Our team would love to pray with you. And, um, and just let's let this Valentine's Day not just be another day. Let's be a day where we answer the call. We actually put ourselves in a position to be chosen. Sound good? I'm going to pray firstly for those that don't know God yet. And I said I'd give you the chance to do that. So it's simply it's just a decision that you're going to put your trust in God. And, and if that's you, I'd just invite you to put your hand in the air just with every head bowed and every eye closed. If that's you, I just would ask you to put your hand in the air so I can see it. Just one moment longer. If you're online, maybe write your name in the comments or... Uh, even just private message the team and, and we'll get some resources to you. We're going to pray. And I just invite everybody just to join in with me and repeat after me. Dear God, today I choose to follow you. I thank you for your love that caused you to send your son 
to die in my place so that I can live with eternal life. From today forward, I will follow you. In Jesus' name. I want to pray for the rest of us. Lord, I thank you for the call that you've put on our lives, Lord, for the sense that you have got a plan for us and you won't let it go, God. You won't let it go. And I'm so grateful that you haven't let me go. I'm so grateful that you won't let the drive in us go. The call will keep calling. Give us a grace to answer it, Lord. Give us a grace to do what we need to do, to position ourselves to to really walk in the amazing things that you've planned for us to do. In Jesus' name, amen. If you want prayer, I would love to pray with you as we worship.